And welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody. Actually, we'll let that play in the background for a little bit. I like that. Um, this is the newest episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dominic Shirosky. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Um, gonna be honest with you. Not a whole, well, there's a couple things that happened that are big, um, but I feel like today, as as has most weeks since everything that all the quarantining and social distancing and COVID came, uh, slow sports week, even though sports are starting to come back, you know, Premier League, soccer's back, the Bundesliga, so- uh, soccer's back, KBO has been on for a while, um, Australian uh, rules football is on. Um, and I'm, I, I think I'm going to try and get into that. I've been seeing um, a couple people talk about like Australian rules football is really cool. It's interesting. It's something, it's a, it's a physical sport that you can watch, you know, being, being that it's the only physical sport that you can watch right now. Um, I think it will have some added value. Um, so I'm going to try and get into that. We'll see what happens. I'll keep you all posted. But, um, like I said, a couple couple big things, but nothing too much. So I don't think I'm going to have you guys in here for 45 minutes today. Uh, going to try and keep it under 30 minutes. Um, but first, big, big, big story. Um, and it's... It is a very clear um, reminder and representation of everything that um, people of color, but specifically African-Americans, um, have to deal with in this country and is a direct showing of why the Black Lives Matter movement is so important, why we as black people protest, um, and everything that we're fighting for. So NASCAR who I want to give NASCAR actually a lot of props because NASCAR has been swift. NASCAR has made adjustments. They realized what the stigma is with their... I don't even really want to call NASCAR a sport because I don't really feel like it's a sport, but with their sport. Um, A lot of people feel like NASCAR is just a whole bunch of at least the fans of NASCAR are drunk, racist rednecks. That's what a lot of people assume to be the NASCAR fan base is. Um, And NASCAR, they've come out, they basically came out recently and said, look, if you're coming in here and you're going to be brandishing a Confederate flag, you're not going to be allowed to come in. All Confederate flags need to be taken out. Like NASCAR has actually done a really good job of trying to change the identity or the stigma that comes or that uh, they have gained over time. Um, So in response to that, or at least I can only assume, but someone, uh, this individual has not been found yet, but we're going to get into why this is important and who did it is important. Um, But basically, Bubba Wallace, for those of you who don't know, is the only African-American driver in NASCAR. Um, he's an African-American man, uh, and recently he put, uh, the Black Lives Matter 
tag and logo and 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 saying on uh, his car and not too long ago a couple days ago it was reported that he found a noose in his garage uh so first things first one what's the point of it you know so the individual who did it what's the point um, what is this? A watch your back? Is it a shut your mouth? Is it like what? What is it? What are you going to gain from this? I mean, if it was to instill fear, that didn't work because Bubba Wallace came out and said, "Hey, look, I understand. I get it. You know, people, people are afraid. People have hate in their hearts." It is what it is. All I can do is go out there and race. And he said, he was like, yeah, my response is that I'm going to go out there and win. And that's it. So if you, if this was a fear tactic, you missed the mark there. Sending a message or like, I, I just don't understand because it's like, you're going, the, the individual who that did this is going to be found. That's the thing too. Like, and also, I I believe on the Rich Eisen show yesterday they said that the FBI was getting involved um, to try and find out who did this. And I'm like, that's great. That's great news. There, good as they should. But it's not even going to take all that. Like, so here's the thing that a lot of people may not know: for individuals who have never been to a NASCAR event, um, if you are someone who's trying trying to get into that area with the drivers, with the cars, with like in the garages and things like that, it is extremely hard. Um, you have to have the right credentials. You have to uh, have verifications. You literally get stopped multiple times and get checked. Um, there's security everywhere. Because one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that these cars are worth millions of dollars. Like the car, like you have these cars that are souped up that have had all types of alterations and modifications to them. So in these garages, you have millions of dollars worth of vehicles and accessories um, and assets. So it is almost damn near impossible for an everyday fan to get into a garage, which leads me to the next statement. The person that did this is either someone who's part of the security team or is one of those individuals that has that verification and has the credentials to get into the garages. Either way, they're going to be found. I'm sure there are cameras everywhere. It's only a matter of time before this person is found out and NASCAR has come out and said, you know, this type of behavior is condemned. When we find out who did this, the individual will be, if they, if we find that they work with us in any way, shape, or form, or within, they will be fired. And, of course, you know, they will be barred and banned from NASCAR events for the rest of their life. Um, and I'm pretty sure there will probably be some charges filed. But it's all just a stark reminder and a an eye-opener for some as to if you are confused as to what black people go through, what black people are protesting. This is an 
ex- like an exact example of why we speak out, why we protest. Um, I want to give all the love and all of the respect to Bubba Wallace for his response, for his handling of the situation. Um, and a ton of respect to NASCAR. A lot of, a lot of the other drivers and a lot of the um, officials came around and started supporting Bubba Wallace. Um, it really kind of uh, was one of those situations where something tragic happens, but it unites. Um, if that's kind of how it felt, it felt like people kind of really rallied around Bubba Wallace and wanted to say, look, that's not what we're about in any way, shape or form. We are not about that. We don't accept it, but we also won't turn a blind eye to it. That has no place here in our events, has no place here in our sport. I appreciate that. Um, I respect that. Uh, I think that is the way it's supposed to be. So shout out to NASCAR. Um, That is probably the last time I will ever speak about NASCAR on this podcast because I have genuinely no interest in it. Um, (laughs) But shout out to them for doing the right thing. Shout out to Bubba Wallace. for all, if I have any fans or any listeners that are fans of NASCAR, uh, there you go. That was your fix. We probably won't do this ever again. Um, little oh, side note, this is something that was interesting to me, or at least was of significance to me just because growing up, I was a big WWE fan. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, The Undertaker... Also, ooh, hold on. I wonder. One second. I don't have his name in front of me. I want to call him by his actual name. Yes, uh, Mark William Calloway, also known as The Undertaker uh, from WWE. Uh, one of the biggest uh, wrestling athletes, probably of all time. He's, I mean, just one of the greats. Um, he was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up as a kid. Um, uh, but you know, he's been doing this for a very long time. He's been with WWE, um, damn near his entire career. He was with them when they were WWF and then when I went to WWE, he's been there for quite some time. Um, he finally decided to retire. Um, and I mean, that's his debut with the WWE, they were the WWE, they, back when he debuted, they were the WWF. His debut was back in June 26, 1987. 1987. I, that's insane. Um, just the longevity of his career, always being a professional. Uh, he was tremendous and... Mark finally decided to call it quits. Um, there's actually, they are doing a little docu-series. Um, well, they were doing a little docu-series. The last episode aired uh, this past weekend, I believe, um, where, you know, it's called The Last Ride, similar to The Last Dance. But uh, basically, it just kind of followed uh, Mark. And it was interesting seeing him kind of start to open up because this is something that we didn't see from him for a very long time like he and he talks about how he was so ingrained in the character 
and how he was always like, I'm never pulling back the veil. I'm never pulling it back because that takes away from the mystique of the character. And I always have to be in character to make this real for other people. Um, and so it wasn't until recently where he really started to speak out and he started to kind of, we kind of got to see the man behind the undertaker and we started to really know who Mark was. Um, so I want to give him a huge, huge shout out. Um, and I want to say thank you for his many years of entertainment, of putting on tremendous shows and feats of athleticism. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Calloway. Thank you, Undertaker. Um, he is one of my goats when it comes to the WWE. Um, and was always someone that I enjoyed watching. Uh, I remember like just the feeling I would get when I would be watching like you know, like when I would be watching WWE and I'd be watching it on TV and the feeling like the chills I would get when I would hear the Undertaker's theme music, like those bells and like the horns and like how everything would go dark and it'd be the smoke. Like it was, it was amazing. So thank you, Mark. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best in your retirement. Um, and thank you so much for the years of service. Um, on to football, um, big news in football, two big things, actually three. Well, two of them are big. One of them probably won't make that much of a difference. Um, <laughs> but the big news that came out first was that Jamal Adams has requested a trade from the New York Jets. Uh, Jamal Adams has had enough of Adam Gase and everyone over there, and I completely understand it. Um, it's come out that he is interested in playing for a couple teams, um, a few that were listed, if I can find them very quickly. Jamal Adams said that he wants a trade and that he would welcome a trade to one of seven teams either the Baltimore Ravens, the Dallas Cowboys, the Houston Texans, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Ryan Clark also added in that Jamal Adams would be open to a trade to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, this has been a long time coming, I think. Uh, just with every the way everything was handled back uh, last year when... Um, you know, the Jets, Jamal Adams told them like, hey, no, I want to be here. I want to be, which is crazy. Like, I don't know how the Jets managed to mess this up because Jamal Adams stated, I want to be a Jet. Like, I want to be here. That's not, I want to be here. I want to be part of this rebuild. I think we can do something here. And they told him like, oh, yeah, no, don't worry about it. We got you. You're not going to, we're not going to trade you or anything like that. And then literally like three days later, there were rumors of Jamal Adams is on the trade block. Um, so this doesn't surprise me. This is something that I thought was going to happen. Now, granted, just because Jamal Adams has requested a trade does not mean it's going to happen. Um, Jamal Adams is still, I mean, the Jets have him under contract legally for two more, two more seasons. Like they have him under contract. So basically, listen, we don't have to do anything we don't have to trade you. We have you under contract for two more years. If you want to sit out, that's on you, but you won't be getting paid. But we have the rights to you as a player and your services. So 
we don't have to do anything. Now, I think it would behoove them to go ahead and make this trade just because, yes, he's a star and you never want to let him let him walk out the building. But at the same time, it's very rough on a locker room to have, especially a player of that caliber who's a superstar like that, be that disgruntled and openly disgruntled. Um, it's going to cause rifts in the locker room, I think. I think the best move, you kind of got to cut your ties because, like I said, yeah, you have them for two more seasons, but what do you do after that? Just let them walk? With a player like that, when he openly is stating, I want to be out of here, I mean, all of this, because all of this st- stemmed from a video where he was riding around in Dallas in a very nice-looking G-Wagon, by the way. Um, <laughs> but he was riding around in Dallas, and a fan, one of the Dallas Cowboys fans, saw Jamal Adams, you know. Also, Jamal Adams is from Texas, so that's his area. Um, but a fan of the Cowboys saw him and was like, hey, man, what's going on? You know, you, you come on down to Dallas. Come on. And, and Jamal Adams said, I'm trying. So Jamal Adams seems like he's out, and he's over this whole situation, and he wants – he, he wants a new place. He wants a new beginning. And I get it. Um, if you're the Jets, you got to figure something out. But he seems 100% disgruntled. Granted, like I said, they have him under contract for two more seasons. They ha- they don't have to make any moves. They can sit back and say, yeah, dude, we're not trading you. So you can either sit out or you can shut up. But we'll see what happens. Um, the other big news that came out, um, is speaking of disgruntled players, um, Dak Prescott went ahead and decided to sign the uh, franchise tender that the Cowboys placed him placed on him. The Cowboys, uh, as we know, they have been trying to find a resolution to the uh, rift in how much Dak Prescott's contract is going to be and how long it's going to be. They've been trying to work on a long-term contract. It hasn't worked out so far. Um, so the Cowboys, you know, said, hey, you're, we'll put the franchise tag on you. It's up to you. Um, now, the two sides do have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal. Otherwise, uh, if they don't get something done by July 15th, then they won't uh, be able to work on his extension until next season. Um, but Dak Prescott signs the three-point, or I'm sorry, $31.4 million exclusive franchise tag, which makes him one of the top-paid quarterbacks in the league. I personally don't think Dak Prescott is worth it, but I understand. Um, and also for the, like, it makes sense just with, I don't, I, I will say, I don't think Dak would have signed this if we weren't in the midst of a pandemic. I think COVID-19 and, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the uncertainty that it has kind of struck puts you in a position where it's like, I have $31 million guaranteed to me right now. And it's not a guarantee that like the league is going to come back. It's not a guarantee that we're going to be able to play, even though for the most part, the NFL, I 100% believe is going to have a season. Um, just with everything going on it. And also it just looks bad for you to be arguing about millions of dollars. Like you're about to get $31 million. There are people who have been out of a job for two months now because of this. So he goes ahead and signs it, gets the guaranteed money in his pocket, saves some face with the public. Um, good move by him. 
it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, if they do go after Jamal Adams, so here's the thing. Jamal Adams is still on a relatively cheap contract. I believe, I think, Jamal Adams is only getting paid like $7.5 or something like that this upcoming season. And the Dallas Cowboys, after Dak signed, I believe, have $10 million left over in cap space. So they could finagle their way around and make a trade for Jamal Adams if they want. Um, that, Based on the video that we saw, it seems like Jamal Adams does want to be there. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Dallas this season um, when they play. You know, Dak, you're on a franchise tag. It's kind of another prove-it year for you. Um, so we got to see what happens there. But uh, there's you got all the talent there. You got a new head coach. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm super excited. Like I said, football does seem like it's going to come back. And uh, <sighs> hopefully Dr. Fauci doesn't drop any more bombs because Dr. Fauci came out and, and was kind of like, eh, maybe football won't come back. We don't know. We'll see what happens. But when football does come back, I'm going to keep an optimistic mind. When football does come back, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Cowboys do um, and what happens with this Jamal Adams situation. Um, just saw this this morning. Uh, Martha Ford, who is the owner of the Lions, actually is stepping down from her leadership position um, and is going to be passing uh, the ownership and leadership uh, role as principal owner and chairwoman of the Dallas Cowboys, or not the Dallas Cowboys, the Detroit Lions, to uh, her daughter, Sheila Ford uh, Hamp. Don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. I will say Sheila has been in the organization for a while. They've been grooming her, and like she's been around and knows the football operations and things like that. So it's not like it's just getting passed to someone who doesn't know anything about the business. Uh, Sheila knows it. Um, immediately, people were clamoring for Sheila to sell the team. <laughs> Um, that's just business. You know, you got to find a way to win and the Detroit lions have not. So rough for them, but, uh, we'll see what happens there. That's really all I got for the NFL. And really all I have for you guys today. I told you guys, this is going to be a short episode. Um, I didn't have too much to get into. Oh, uh, just a little side note. King Griffey Jr. Said that the, uh, Yankees were racist. <laughs> basically. Um, he told a story, uh, about why he would never, play for the Yankees or why he never played for the Yankees. And it was that um, basically what ended up happening was there was a time when he was sitting in the dugout while his father was having batting practice. You know, they were at Yankee stadium you know, training and things like that. And one of the Yankee security guards came up to uh, King Griffey or came up to King Griffey senior and told him, Hey, your kid can't be in the dugout. He's got to get out of here. And he was like, what? That's my son. Like, he he's fine. And the security was like, no, he can't be in here. You know, like, no, they can't be in here in the dugout. Um, and so Ken Griffey Sr. told Ken Griffey Jr., he was like, hey, go just get out of here. Go sit in my locker room and wait for me. But before you leave, take a look over at third base. And at third base, Craig Nettle's son was taking ground balls. Craig knows obviously was another player on the team uh, and his son who was white was allowed to sit there at third base and pick up ground balls and do whatever the hell he wanted. And from that moment on, King Griffey was like, yeah, no, I'll never play for this organization. So 
I thought that was a really interesting story. Um, just crazy that like you did that to Ken Griffey Sr. Like as great as he was, you're gonna do that to his son. You just just wild. Um, but yeah, so if you were ever wondering why the Yankees never got Ken Griffey Jr., that's why. <laughs> but like I said, short episode today, guys. That's really all I have for you. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, yeah, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, that's all I got for you today. I will see you all next week. This has been the Instant Replay Podcast. I am your host, Dominic Shirosky. And as always, I leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and make some new haters today, guys. Thank you. I'll see you next time.